Today I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 20. I'll begin at verses 25 and 31. And before that, if you would like uh, the sermon translated into Spanish, I see some people taking advantage of that now. Uh, we do have headsets for you to be able to do that. And so we're so thankful for those who uh, help translate so that you can hear the sermon in your heart language today. But Acts chapter 20, verses 25 through 31 says this, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. I'm going to preach today for just a little bit about the importance of the church, the importance of the church. God bless you. You may be seated today. There is in our culture many churches. Some would say that there are over 350,000 churches. Studies have tried to nail down exactly how many churches there are in the United States specifically. And roughly right now it sits at about 350,000. But part of the, the reason for their inability to nail it down precisely is because not every church is listed as a church and there's just not a, an easy way to go about determining how many churches there are. Some churches are house churches. Some churches meet in facilities like this. Some churches are mega churches. Some churches have the word church in their name. Some churches don't. And then it's trying to find them. If they don't have the word church in their name, it becomes a little more difficult. And they say that some 100,000 or more churches exist out there that don't even have a website which is kind of crazy in 2022, but if you're a house church or you're a smaller church, you may not be looking to broadcast. So we have a lot of churches in our culture, and we also have a lot of denominations, and a denomination is a name brand, if you would, uh, of churches that group together under an umbrella that should believe and practice the same thing. So if... Uh, you see the word Baptist, that means that they have a certain type of theology. Now, there are many different Baptist denominations. There's American Baptist and Free Will Baptist and Southern Baptist and General Baptist. You've got all kinds of different Baptists, Missionary Baptists. You just keep on going on. All kinds of denominations, even within that Baptist culture. And, and, and then within the Pentecostal ranks, there's the Church of God in Christ and the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World and the United Pentecostal Church International which we are, and I could go on and on, Assemblies of God. There's, there's all kinds of denominations of churches that gather together under a certain umbrella. But even with the denominations, there's 
thousands and tens of thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands that they don't want to be grouped under an umbrella. So in this day and age in which there are a multitude of churches and a multitude of options, what is amazing that with all of that, the percentage of people in the United States who call themselves Christians is continuing to decline. In fact, even not only the percentage, but the number of Christians seems to be declining. And to put it in a, a different context, church attendance is declining rapidly. It used to be that people would show up for church every time the doors were open. I'm only 50, and there are people here from older generations, and if you were raised around church, you'd never miss. But even in my 50 years, 50 doesn't sound too bad. Then when I say a half century, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? In my half century, there was a time in my life where every time the doors were open, then you would show up for church. I was just telling somebody the other day, I was uh, at a Olathe Chamber of Commerce event, and I, I told the, uh, the people who were here Thursday night, I, out of that group of people I was talking to, I got a, another Bible study that I'm starting the week after next when we get back from Florida. And, but I, I was talking and interacting with them and talking about church attendance with, this, uh, with one guy who goes to a, a church not too far from here. And When I was a kid... We had revivals all of the time. And a revival in, in our current culture is a, a lengthy time of special services where you would have church multiple times a week uh, in addition to what your normal schedule would be. And, and I remember growing up where we had a 16-week revival. Went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, skipped Monday. And then Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and then Sunday morning, Sunday night. Sixteen weeks in a row. One night off. Sister Hill says she remembers those days. We used to go to church a lot. And in fact, just in the regular course of, of church and our schedule, I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night every single week in addition to whatever special services we may have. And not every revival was 16 weeks. Some were two weeks or three weeks or one week. But we would add to that. So we went to church a lot. In our current culture, though, church attendance is decreasing significantly. That people went from seeing the local church as an important part of their life to going, well, you know, it's kind of an extra thing that we do. It's one of those just added pieces of our life that we can do without if we want to. But what I've come to tell you today, I'm glad that you are here today and that you're not hearing this secondhand, but that the local church is important. And what we do here on a Sunday morning is important. And not only is it important, but I, what I would tell you is it is imperative in living the Christian life. That you cannot make it to heaven if you choose not to be involved in a local church. You might say, well, that's a kind of a strong statement. Let's walk through our text.
text together. But before we do that, some questions that you might ask and that I will address. Does church really matter? If it matters, why does it matter? How do we choose a church? And what's the difference between the big C church or the little C church? Is church really that important? And as you can tell from my title slide, I believe it is important. So can I make that case to you today? Understanding that our our text today from Acts chapter 20, it is Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. He has been in Ephesus for some 18 months or longer and he is now getting ready to depart. He has appointed elders to be over the local church in that city. His message is not to all of the church. His message is to the leaders of that local church. The people who will be leading the group of people in Ephesus who call themselves Christians. So I understand the context of the message. And and while you may say, well, that's a message to preachers, but that message to preachers has insight for you and I today as members of a local church. And so to that end, I'm going to walk through this text with that perspective. The first thing that I want you to understand is this. Christians don't survive individually. They need a church. Paul begins this verse you see on the screen. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. He doesn't use a a word that means the individual, but he says to the flock. The Bible frequently likens Christians to sheep, that that Jesus calls us sheep. God in the Old Testament, as He refers to His people, He calls them and refers to to them as sheep. And sometimes it is a negative sense, sometimes it is a positive sense. And one of the positives are this, we are the sheep of His pasture, that we belong to Him. And so He uses that sheep metaphor. I will pull out some of those as we walk through. But understand this, that sheep do not survive individually. That if you were to stick a sheep out in the woods, it wouldn't be many days until that sheep has been killed off by the predators in the forest. That a sheep is not able to defend itself. It has no defense mechanism. Oh, it might can headbutt you a little bit, or it might can kick at you a little bit, but ultimately, a sheep cannot survive on its own. It is to this, re- and this reason that Jesus told the parable of the, the 99. That He leaves the 99 sheep and He goes after the one sheep who is lost because He knows, and any shepherd would know, that a sheep can't survive on its own. It's going to get itself in trouble Sheep, if they actually fall over onto their back, can never get up on their own. They will lay there and they will kick their legs until an animal comes along and attacks them because they can't do anything or they'll starve to death or they'll die of thirst. They they can't get up on their own once they're on their back. They have no defense mechanism as I mentioned. But I would tell you this, that 
The Bible would tell us that iron sharpens iron and that we as sheep or we as Christians, we need one another. We cannot live in this world by ourselves. There was a recent statistic that came out the year prior to COVID. This study, which was of 2,500 people, which is statistically many more than you would need for a study of this nature, when looking at people who went to church on a regular basis, 65% of regular church attenders stated that they could live for Jesus by themselves. I would tell you that the Bible would disagree with you. That the Bible would say that we don't survive out in the wild by ourselves, but we need the flock, we need the local church, we need to gather together as a body of believers And that is the intent and the plan of God. So in this passage when he says, pay careful attention to yourselves, or that's talking about the leaders and to the flock of God, implied in that is this, that we are a flock of Christians or a flock of sheep that we have gathered together to worship Jesus Christ, to live together for Jesus Christ. We need each other. We do not survive on our own. But the second thing that I would tell you is this, Christians don't just survive corporately, but they need a shepherd. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for them. Sheep need a leader. Sheep have no sense of direction. There's a story told of some 1,500 sheep who all wandered away. The shepherds were busy. They weren't paying attention to what was going on. And 1,500 sheep walked right off the edge of a cliff. People who saw this said that the sheep in the back were just following the ones in front of them. They didn't really know where they were going. They're just wandering along. The first 400 sheep fell off the cliff and died. 1,100 of the, other sh- the remaining sheep survived the fall because they landed on the sheep that had fallen off first. But all the way to the last sheep in the flock. They just follow the leader until they fall off the edge. They have no sense of direction. They follow whatever may come along. But I would tell you that sheep need a shepherd. They don't survive just because they gather together in a flock. They don't survive just because they group together. Because a group of sheep still can't defend themselves. A group of sheep still can't withstand the prey or the predators that would come against them. They need a leader to give them direction. Jesus would say in Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
as he walking about doing his earthly ministry, would come across people of Israel. They weren't lost. They weren't just wandering around. But spiritually, they had no leader. Spiritually, they were lost. Spiritually, they were weary from trying to keep the law and to do all of the things that the religious leaders of their day would tell them that they had to do. And he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Sheep will blindly follow whatever is in front of them. The famous passage in Isaiah of the suffering servant or the passage in Isaiah that talks about the crucifixion of the coming Messiah. Isaiah would write this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him or on the Messiah the iniquity of us all. There is a common phrase in our culture, you've probably heard it, a wolf among sheep. Anybody ever heard? The reason it's a common phrase is this, is because the sheep have no discernment. Sheep have no defense, they can't keep the wolf from coming in among them, and a wolf among sheep is a euphemism in our culture for someone who comes in and they pretend to be something they're not and so that they can destroy the sheep and destroy what's going on. It is a wolf among sheep or some would even say it this way, a wolf in sheep's clothing where they're hiding among themselves. Sheep cannot protect themselves. The Old Testament tells us the story of King David, but long before he was king, He was a shepherd watching his father's flock. He tells of the time when a lion comes along and tries to devour the sheep. The flock has no ability to withstand the lion. They can't do anything. All they can do is run, but the lion is much faster. The lion is much stronger. But the shepherd was there. And he takes his sling and Just like he would later do with Goliath, he slings the rock at the lion and he overcomes him. And he does the same with a bear that tries to attack the flock. What I would tell you is that we don't just need to group together, but we need a shepherd. We can't survive individually, we can't survive just corporately, but we need a shepherd. Third thing I would tell you is this. Christians don't just need any shepherd. They need the right shepherd. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Paul here gives this admonition that the shepherd is supposed to care for the flock. The shepherd is supposed to take care of the sheep the shepherd is supposed to protect them from what may come their way and he sets this up to dis- 
distinguish it from just any shepherd in verse 29. And I don't think you'll see it on the screen, but it says this, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Here's Paul getting ready to leave Ephesus. And he says, take care of the flock. Because fierce wolves are going to come in. The natural predator of the sheep is the wolf. And just like in the natural, he says, there are going to be fierce wolves who come in to the flock of God. They're going to be savage wolves. Some translations would say savage wolves are going to come in for the sole purpose of killing the sheep. For the sole purpose of devouring the sheep. And he said, if it's not bad enough that they're going to come from the outside, he says, even among yourselves, some are going to rise up. Teaching twisted not just any shepherd will do but you need a shepherd who will preach truth why do we have so many divergent churches churches that believe radically different things that are the opposite of each other because Wolves are going to come in among you. And false teachers are going to rise up and they're going to twist the truth. Why are there churches out there that don't believe in the Pentecostal experience? Because somebody has twisted the truth. Why are there churches out there that believe that Infant baptism is the proper biblical method because somebody has twisted the truth. Why are those who believe that sprinkling is the proper way to do it because somebody has taken the Bible and they have twisted the truth. They have taken what the Bible says and they have turned it and they have twisted it. In that verse I said, I I read to you, twisted things, it is a word specifically that means this, that truth has been changed into that which is false starting with the basis of truth and twisting it and changing it to something that is no longer true. It's not just any shepherd. You need the right shepherd. Paul has already said that he testified to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. He said, I told you everything you needed to know. The shepherd is to teach truth. The shepherd is to protect from doctrinal error and from lifestyle choices. The sheep are to hear the voice of the shepherd. Jesus would say in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. 
and they follow me. For all of the negative things about sheep, one of the positives about sheep is this, that they hear the voice of their shepherd. They get tuned in to the voice of their shepherd. They know the voice of their shepherd. Which means if you take multiple flocks of sheep and you put them all into a a pasture or you put them in a pen and you have five different shepherds and it's their sheep that they're watching over and they're guarding and they're protecting and they're feeding. If one of the shepherds comes to the gate of the pen and calls out for the sheep to follow him, the only sheep that will follow him are his sheep. They know His voice. And Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice and they know and I know them and they follow Me. What I would tell you is that sheep should hear the voice of Jesus through their earthly shepherd. That when a pastor speaks or when a pastor preaches, they should be able to hear the voice of God because He is proclaiming truth, because He is in tune with the Word of God and in tune with the Spirit of God. And while everybody in this room can directly hear from God, it is often that God speaks through the pastor. It is often that God speaks through the shepherd. It is why the song, Let Them See You and Me, is a powerful reminder of the importance of a shepherd being in tune with the great shepherd so that when he speaks, people can hear Jesus through him. That when he acts, people can see Jesus in him. Not just any shepherd will do. But lastly, Christians don't belong to a shepherd. They belong to the shepherd. You see it on your screen. Paul ends verse 28. It's the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. So while you may be members or attenders of Cross Church, you don't belong to me And while I may be your shepherd, and hopefully I am in this season of your life, you don't ultimately answer to me because you don't belong to me. You belong to the shepherd. Jesus would call himself that, referring to himself the good shepherd. There are many flocks of sheep, but there there is only one church. That big C versus the little C church, there is only one church of God. There are many ways in which we join together in local assemblies like this that we together are a church because we have gathered together, but we are a church and not the church. And we want our church to be part of the church, but ultimately it is the new birth that joins us to Christ and the church. 
that it takes being born again of water and takes being born again of the Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God and that joins us to the church of God. And Jesus would say of Himself, He is the door of the sheepfold. Nobody comes in except through Him. He's the only way to get into the church. So it is the new birth that joins you to the church, but it is a choice that joins you to a local church. You coming here today or week after week, it is a choice. You coming on Sunday or Thursday or special events, it is a choice that you make. It is not just a choice, though, that should be made in a vacuum. It is a choice that should be based on biblical truth. Do we preach and teach the Word of God? Do we pick and choose the parts that we want to talk about and throw out the rest? Or do we preach the whole counsel of God? It is a choice based on biblical truth. It is a, not a choice based on convenience. Many of you pass hundreds of churches on your way here. It's not all that convenient. It's not a choice based on good programs. We're a small church plant still. We don't have many good programs. It's a choice based on truth, not because the worship leader is so great or the singing is so great or we have a big choir because we don't. It shouldn't even be a choice of where you have friends even though friends are an important part of a church body, we should love each other. We should want to be together. But it should be a choice based on biblical truth. It's not just some truth, but it is the whole counsel of God. We belong to the church through the new birth. We belong to a church because of our choice. Christians do not survive individually. They need a church. They don't survive corporately. They need a shepherd. They don't need just any shepherd. They need the right shepherd. And Christians don't belong to a shepherd. They belong to the shepherd. Everybody needs church and everybody needs a pastor everybody needs someone in their life that is has the ability and has the the authority to say you know what you need to think about that and you need to change what you're doing you need to maybe go a different direction or a different way and what I would tell you is this, is that as a pastor, I'm not standing up here in a vacuum, that I have a district superintendent that can call me at any time and straighten me out. 
I have good friends that are pastors who I talk to on a regular basis that have the ability to say, hey, how are you doing and what's going on in your life? And Are you praying like you should and are you reading your Bible? Are you, are you too busy doing ministry to spend time with Jesus? People in my life that I would call pastor, everybody needs a church. Everybody needs a pastor. Going to a church without being in the church does not change our eternity. For decades, here in North America at least, we had what was called cultural Christianity. Where it was culturally expedient to call yourself a Christian. And what that meant was this, is that most of the culture and most of the people would say that they were Christian. And so if you're doing business with people and you weren't a Christian, they might not want to do business with you. That if you were interacting with people and you were a real estate agent and you were wanting to help somebody sell their house, if you weren't a Christian, they might not want to help you out. It was a cultural Christianity. It was culturally expedient. That has changed. No longer is it a positive for most of our culture to call ourselves Christians. But while it was culturally positive, people would come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and have zero relationship with Jesus. They would come and hang out and they would come and be a part and they might even give money and they might serve here and there, but they had no relationship with Jesus. I've talked to people even since I've been here as I mentioned, I mentioned the Chamber of Commerce earlier, and, and I, I do a lot of things with the Chamber of Commerce, and, and, and people would tell me that, oh, they go to four or five or six churches. But church wasn't a place where they met Jesus. Church wasn't a place where they found Jesus. Church was a place where they could find customers. And only so many people in this church or the first church might actually be looking for a real estate agent. So on the first Sunday, they go to one church and they're passing their cards out. And the next Sunday, they're going to a different church. And the next Sunday, they go to a third church and a, thir a fourth church. And then they cycle back through and keep enough relationship so that when people need a real estate agent they, or an insurance agent or whatever it happens to be, a going to church Sunday after Sunday, but no relationship with Jesus. And what I would tell you is this, showing up here you can decide for yourself if we're a church that preaches truth. But coming here Sunday after Sunday will not change your eternity. Being a member of this church will not change 
your eternal destiny. It will help influence your eternal destiny, but ultimately what changes your eternal destiny is not being part of this church, but it's being part of the church. And the way that you do that is not by coming to this assembly, but the way that you do that is through repentance, through water baptism in the name of Jesus. And through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, evidence and speaking in other tongues. It is that and that alone that is the entrance into His kingdom, that is the entrance into the church. And coming to a church like this will help you to make that decision and help facilitate you experiencing the new birth. But until you experience that, it's just the place that you go. It's just a place that you have friends. It's just a place that you may have family. It's a place where you feel good. But ultimately, we have to get into the church. But as I've cautioned you and told you, even if you've experienced the new birth, you can't make it without a local church. Because we can't survive on our own. 65% of people who go regularly said they could make it without other Christians. Other than being unbiblical, the challenge of that is this, is that when you're out there by yourself, you have no protection. That's why this slide looks this way. The single sheep out in the field has no defense against the wolf. Can't outrun him. Can't outfight him. And when Satan comes calling, when you're by yourself, you're likely to fall. I saw a disturbing video two or three weeks ago. It was not a sheep, but a pronghorn antelope. He was by himself, away from his herd. He's walking, getting slower and slower as he's walking. And the reason that he was walking so slowly is because attached to his back was a golden eagle. The talons of the eagle were dug deeply into the back of the antelope. paint the picture you could see where the talons had blood had dug in and riblets of blood coming down the side of the the antelope and while that's disturbing enough the golden eagle wasn't there just because he wanted to ride he was there because he wanted a meal Antelope was too big for him to carry off. So he attached himself. In the video, you could watch as he would 
bend over to the side of the antelope and take a bite. Chew on it for a few seconds and then bend over and take another bite out of the side of the antelope. Now I realize that's a little, maybe a little gross. But if that antelope had been with a herd, the other antelope would have done their best to get the eagle away. If there was a shepherd, then the shepherd would have gotten the eagle away antelope just by himself no help from the other antelope no help I don't know who the person videoing it was and I think it's illegal to kill golden eagles and so they probably wouldn't have done anything anyway but it is the natural cycle it's what takes place with prey and predators it's what but I would tell you that if you are on your own are fair game to the enemy. And it is not a once saved, always saved. It is not a once on the road to heaven, always on the road to heaven. Because the enemy of our soul will do his best to sidetrack us and get us away from truth. So my admonition to you today is church is important value the church Paul would write in multiple places that we are members of the body that my hand can't survive by itself if you detach it from my body it will dry up and die we are to be members of the body and inherent and in built into that analogy is this. We belong together. We belong corporately together under the great shepherd. Would you stand together? My call to action today is this, to, be, to commit and be faithful to the church. And, and as a pastor people can say well that's what you're supposed to say you want people to come but I'm not here for me I had a church I didn't come to Olathe because I didn't have anything to do I came because people in Olathe needed a church a church that would preach truth a church that would preach the whole counsel of God commit to be faithful to church and attendance and giving and inviting and serving because the church is important you can't survive without it you will make that commitment if that's something you would commit to today I'm going to invite you to come around the front for just a moment
Would you come and lift your hands and lift your voices and would you talk to the Lord and would you just tell Him, Lord, I, I want to be part of your church. Lord, I want to be faithful to your kingdom and to be faithful to you and want to do that through the involvement in the local church and be committed to a church that preaches truth and preaches without error that seeks to please you in everything they do. Jesus, we love you.